podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on Anfield Index Pro, podcasting to you from a field here in beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Denny, and joining me to give their immediate reactions to Liverpool 3, Nottingham Forest nil in the Premier League from Anfield are Dave Hendrick and Carl Matchett. Um, Dave, almost a boring game, and this is almost becoming a habit which I think I could get very used to. Yeah, I mean, one of those games where you do very little and nothing really happens and you still win comfortably. I mean, Liverpool at the moment are still very much a work in progress. And, you know, while the scoreline says 3-0, they had one shot on target, which was literally the last kick of the ball. It's important that we do note that they could easily have scored two goals. They have the opportunity where the ball is squared to Dominguez and he runs on to it with nobody around him 15 yards from goal and he should finish. But he tries to go with his left foot rather than his right, gets his feet in a mess and falls on his face. And then the Alanga chance that hits the bar. You know, they could easily have scored two goals and that would have put a different reflection on the game. But the game would have still been the same game that we saw which is where we control the game. When we felt like we had to go up through the gears, we did that very, very easily. We had some fantastic interplay among our attacking players. There was about a five-minute spell after Cody and then Harvey came on where we played some absolutely stunning football. Cody drifting in off the left wing and getting involved, Dominic and Harvey buzzing around behind that front three of Mo Darwin and Cody. It was working outstandingly. And then you had, you know, Trent and Alexis pulling the strings from behind. That five-minute spell, that that's the type of thing this team is going to be capable of. And there were spells in the first half, obviously, as well. That, that late flurry we had in the first half where we, we were just breathtaking at times. And, you know, we, we scored two really well-worked goals. And then, obviously, the, the third is... Nicely finished by Mo, but it's a it's a goalkeeping error. I don't know if you'd call it a goalkeeping error, considering where he was in the pitch, but it's a major error. But it it didn't flatter us. Like the three nil reflected the game perfectly. It's just that five two probably actually would have been a, a better reflection. Yeah, a bit like the most recent game uh, yeah. where, where you know, we could easily have conceded and it's really down to the ineptitude of the opposition rather than our uh, uh, dedication to a clean sheet, you'd have to say. Uh, it's an interesting point you make as well. I think it is very heartening to watch uh, 
inventive um, one-touch football being played by a new group of players because a lot of people would have thought after Sadio and Bob left our shores that we might be a long time waiting for that to happen again but here it is with a whole new batch Uh, and apologies by the way to all our listeners because I am the very embodiment of uh, congested so I do sound every bit of it so I apologise in advance I'll try and keep my contributions to a minimum speaking of which let's get Carl matching in on this Carl uh, as Dave says uh, always looked as if should the need arise there was a gear to go up Um, I do like the concept of playing within ourselves uh, and bar the I think last couple of minutes where Forrest decided at 3-0 down that they might actually have a go at us. It it was incredibly one way with them relying on a very odd, sporadic chance, uh, two of which were quite good, granted, uh, to make any impact at all. Uh, Comfortable and dominant, I think, are two words that would be appropriate to use here in summing up the Reds' performance. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I think they're two two words pretty much that I did use in fact in summing up that performance I think that there was a spell maybe between sort of one nil and half time where I do think that we were you know very quick and very aggressive and very forthright in our play and looking to not just be dominant but to actively attack and go and put the game out of reach but yeah there comes a period where we will have to manage a few games and a few minutes and a few performance levels while the match while the scoreline at least is comfortably in our favour and I do think that you know, had, let's say, Alanga put away one of his chances or something like that, it would have been the day where we could have stepped up quite considerably and, and gone a lot more attack-minded than we were for quite a large spell of the second half. Um, I'm all right with that because, you know, it's fine to play within yourself and get the points. It's fine to uh, not rely on the opposition to, to miss chances, but to expect that they will have a couple and that they might not necessarily score every single time they have a shot. It did feel... You know, a couple of years back that every single time we created, uh, sorry, we allowed a team to create a chance against us, they put it in the back of the net. I don't think that that's exactly the same this season so far, at least. So we are, like Dave says, a work in progress. But I think that there are some parts of the team which have progressed probably more quickly than we could have hoped for. And I, I myself am still enjoying at this moment comparing what we're seeing now even if it's not perfect to what we saw an awful lot of last season which was beyond garbage yeah absolutely i think that's the joy isn't it is the we seem to be a little bit further ahead of the schedule that we all had sort of accepted for ourselves especially in the wake of not getting that extra piece of the puzzle that we all thought was a necessity and still remains i think for most people a necessity uh it's it is pleasing to see ourselves in that kind of advanced stage with so much promise about this group of footballers. Also nice to hear things being repeated around Jürgen's revitalization and Jürgen's sort of uh, enthusiasm levels being uh, being raised by working with this new uh, squad or this new look squad. It is, I have to say, a hugely important part of things. I also have a very interesting chat that I want to have with you speaking of the management team around something that was dropped on the stream which I watched and this is where I also want to take it just before we start uh, the 
the your 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 host here for today was very much restricted but uh, it is viewing two streams uh one of which cropped out just before darwin's goal and the other one failed to come online for the first five minutes of the second half so i do have as uh people like to say in different contexts gaps in my knowledge which i hope you guys will help me fill in dave let's just have a quick look at how uh, Kloppo decided to go with his lineup today uh, and see if you've got any um, massive uh, issues with it. Uh, the back four, I would say, is normally our strongest that we could have at the moment, uh, given Andy Robbo's injury uh, with Kanato and, and Van Dijk flanked by Simicus and Trent. With Sabazai, McAllister and Gravenberg, I think that's probably the midfield most people would have picked. And Salah Nunes and Jota with the horrible scenario that Luis Diaz is having to live through at the moment uh, making that front line almost pick itself you would have thought as well uh, can we just have a quick word on that by the way Dave because you tend to be the most sort of constantly in the know of all of us with your daily shows and all the rest of it what is the current status there with the Diaz thing just before we go and have a look at the Liverpool team like, what do we know about it it was originally parents now I'm here father I really don't know what the full details are and just for those of for those of us who are a little bit in the dark what have what, what have you managed to glean around the subject so yeah it was both parents seemingly originally, and then the mother was released, but the father was kept. And the latest before the game was that his father had been recovered and that two people had been killed in a shootout uh, in that recovery. Now, whether or not that is fully accurate, I don't know, because it's very hard to to fully glean anything because you're getting things sort of third hand. Yeah. Um, but we can only hope that it does come to a, a good resolution. Um, so here's a tweet from uh, Sierra, who was the, the guy, Piper Sierra, who's the, the guy who reported the, the Diaz to Liverpool deal initially. Now he hasn't had any update other than Diaz's mother had had been rescued and he had nothing on the father, but that's 16 hours ago. Um, so for now, I, I don't really know what the situation is. I saw, I think it was the Anfield Talk had tweeted earlier that somebody was reporting that his father had been recovered and that, and that two people had been killed, but um, I don't see any confirmation of that. I, so I, I can't be 100% certain that it's true. It, with a bit of luck, his father has been recovered and is he- healthy and well. Um, but for now, all we can do is is just hope that that it comes to a, a positive resolution for Luis and his family. The the statement from the club is as vague as you might think Liverpool Football Club can confirm it is aware of an ongoing situation involving the family of Luis Diaz in Colombia it's our fervent hope that the matter is resolved safely and at the earliest possible opportunity in the meantime the players welfare will continue to be our immediate priority that's seven hours ago so uh, so, so apparently there's this journalist Vicky Davila who's a, a Colombian journalist and she tweeted at 10 to 10 to 3, so an hour and a half ago, uh, that there was a reward for 
the rescue of Luis Diaz's father. So it, it does not appear that it appears like that was fake news that came out that his father had been recovered. Um, I, I believe Luis has, has gone back to Colombia to try and and help or, or whatever he can do. So, um, I mean, look, this this is unfortunately this is part of the perils of being a wealthy footballer from certain regions of the world. Your your family become targets, and it should not be the case, of course. But Luis isn't the first player, and won't be the last player who's who's gone through this. And we can just hope that he, he does get the positive outcome of his father being rescued healthy and well. Yeah, the spoofer with the catchphrase has a story about a 200 million peso reward uh, for anyone who will give information relating to it. And you, you do know it's always going to come down to money at some point. This is the whole point of the of the of the 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 action in the in the, in the first place was was you imagine to extort money. So I imagine that's just going to be how it plays out. Fingers crossed that there will be, as you say, a positive resolution for everybody. I heard something popping in the chat there. Uh, oh wow. Okay. So there's sort of confirmation that there seems to be. Uh, Carl, can you help us out with that? Is that basically saying that two hundred thousand pesos? What is it, million? What is that? Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise, and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, exactly that. It's just the um, basically the, the police... Uh, wireline which has been put out basically offering the uh, reward for uh, any information to help find him um, it doesn't it's come with a time stamp but I don't know if that's just the time stamp which is where they've put it through to our wireline rather than uh, when it was actually released so again I'm not going to say that's absolutely up to date uh, it's just the most recent the one that's come through now 200 million pesos about 46,000 euro um it is in British pounds. It's probably what forty thousand pounds for information. So, yeah, they they're, they're definitely definitely making the effort to get them to get the information to get them back, and hopefully they do, and and hopefully it's resolved quickly because it must be a horrible situation for Luis, especially considering he's got to fly all the way across the world, not knowing what's going on. Yeah, it's just wild. It's just it's wild and incredibly dark as well for the kid to have to endure. Uh, so yeah, look, uh, if anything breaks during the show, obviously we'll let you know, folks. But uh, that's the status as it stands, as far as we can work out currently. Anyway, uh, back to our regularly scheduled broadcast. And Dave, I was talking to you about that Liverpool lineup and where I left it was. I, they think the team kind of had picked itself. Would you see any issues with it? Was there something you would prefer to have seen? Or is that pretty much how you expected him to go? Um, 
Yeah, I think that was pretty much as expected, other than the, the change that then had to be made on the left wing. Um, I, I would have liked to have seen Cody start, but, you know, Jota scored and, and played well, so it worked out very well. Um, so you can't really have any complaints about about the team, I thought. I thought it, it did pick itself all the way up until the, the Diaz situation, and then it was just a, do we go Cody, do we go Jota, Jürgen picked Jota, and then he got his, got his payoff. Yeah, we see a bench there where we have Joe Gomez, Wataru Endo, Cody Gakpo and Harvey Elliott who all get sprung from the bench. Joe Matab is also on there. Uh, and it's nice to see the two young lads from midweek, at least two of them, keep their place on the bench in Luke Chambers and James McConnell and Cuevin Kelleher and Adrian making up the numbers there. And Carl, just to switch focus on to Mr. Cooper and Forrest. Uh, I heard you and Dave talk about it on Scouted. Obviously, that's usually where I get my information on the opposition upcoming, along with Harry's show, uh, where you get to hear the opinions of a fan of the same club. And it's e- it's easy to see uh, that there's a lot of decent footballers there in this Nottingham Forest squad. Some of them are obviously standouts. Uh, I again heard uh, Dave talking about uh, Murillo and so uh, he was uh, a fan of him. Uh, but they have a very solid sort of setup in terms of going with a very, uh, uh, like I say, a kind of a hopefully reliable uh, defence. Uh, I think their concession rate would probably speak to that. They had Niakate, Boli and Murillo there sort of nominally across the back with Aurier and Aina on the flanks, Gibbs, White and Dominguez ahead of them, Sangari and Mangala uh, in the middle and uh, the ex-Mank Elanga up top. On their bench, they had uh, Nico Williams who came on, Taiwani who came on, both of them Reds, Andre Santos, Toffolo, Ryan Yates, Nuno Tavares, Joe Worrell, Czech Kuyate, and Vladikimos, uh, who I have um, managed to butcher there. Uh, it's, again, an interesting way that, that he plays, but I would say, Carl, if this is an indicator of their uh, ambition in terms of how they play, they're probably going to be involved in these games where if their defence works, that'll be the height of it for them because they just didn't seem to have a whole lot by way of invention. Um, Most of their attempts were sort of... Oh, well, it was pretty sterile football they were playing. And like I said, they, they, they did manage to fashion or carve out two decent chances, one through Gibbs White and his good work and the other kind of a uh, speculative effort uh, by Alanga. Um, what do you make of this side and what it is that Cooper's trying to do with them? Dave, can you take that question and I'll get let we'll let Carl get warmed up. I completely missed that. Sorry, that's, I didn't keep an eye on the chat there. I was just thinking. Yeah, Absolutely. Oh yeah, I think they're solid bets to stay up. I, I I like quite a few of the players. I think it's it's quite a decent squad. I mean that midfield group, Gibbs, White, Mangala, Sanger, and Dominguez, they're all they're all good to very good footballers. Alang is a, a talented player. The one he wasn't fully fit. Chris Wood was injured, so they didn't have that nine that he likes to play, that player that they can play up to and then use that player to, to get themselves out of their defensive half. Yeah. Look, he's a manager who made his name as a defensive first manager when he was at Swansea and then he joined Forrest. The, the thing he wants to do is make them stronger at the back, 
make them tougher to beat because you know it's easier to it's easier to score one goal and get something from a game than it is to have to need to score two goals just to get a draw. Um, that's kind of what I expected. I didn't when we me and Carl spoke earlier in the week. I didn't realize that Chris Wood was injured. So the only change that I would have expected, I, I thought Chris Wood would start so that they'd have that target man up front that they could use as a, you know, a launching point. But it made sense for them to go the way they did today. There's some deficiencies in that squad. They do have, uh, you know, a lack of depth in certain areas, which is kind of understandable, but there's still some really good players. I mean, you mentioned my, my fondness of Murillo. I think he's, I know he made a mistake for the first goal, but aside from that, I thought he played quite well. Um, I like Ola Aina, and I thought he had a, a decent enough showing at left wing back. REA is a liability at right wing back. Like, there was a time where that fellow was unbelievably good. <clears throat> and then something switched off between his ears, and he's been dross for years now. Uh, Willie Bolly's well past his best, but again, they've got some injuries at centre back that they're dealing with. My biggest gripe with them is they don't have a number one goalkeeper. Matt Turner's a solid backup. And the fellow they have on the bench, Odessius, he's another solid backup. But there's no one in that squad that you'd look at and say, well, he's he's a definite Premier League caliber, you know, starting goalkeeper. And I think that's something they're going to need to address in time. But all things considered, look, they, they didn't come here thinking they were going to win. This was one of those games for, for them and a lot of other clubs where you come to Anfield, you hope you can sneak a point. But if you can't sneak a point, then the mission is to get out of there without getting absolutely walloped because goal difference could be important at the end of the season. And that's mission accomplished for them. They've gotten out of there without getting absolutely trounced. They they could have been trounced. It felt like had we wanted to trounce them, we really could have. But they survive. They move on. they, They won't be too disheartened by what happened today. And for us, it's just, you know, it's business as usual. Now, I do want to make one gripe with Jürgen's selection that I missed and I've just seen. And I should have realised during the game because I did see both of them. There's nothing that winds me up more than two fucking goalkeepers on the bench. Yeah, it's odd. Adrian into the stands where he belongs and get another one of them youngsters on the bench. Even just the experience of being part of that match day squad is so crucial to the likes of Kwanzaa or Callum Scanlon, or whoever. Get Adrian as far... Because, heaven forbid, Alisson got injured, and Jürgen turned round, and the first person he saw was Adrian, and his mind went blank, and he just thought, oh, he's the sub-goalkeeper, and he put him on by mistake. Anything that could possibly lead to him being on the pitch is a risk not worth taking for me. So get him out, this, out of the, the dugout, into the stands, and get uh, get one of them youngsters on the bench, because just in case. Well, he is a, he is a paid mascot, like, like let's be honest, at this stage. And, like, this squad selection around at the start of the season kind of told everything he wanted to know mm. about the situation with Adrian. It's, it's very, very odd. Carl, sorry, you wanted to come in there, did you? Well, I was just going to just make a very minor and probably possibly not true point, but the only consideration you might say is that the match day squad had already been chosen before the Diaz incident was known. And it would usually be the third goalkeeper who would go just in case as the extra, extra sub. And so he would come onto the bench if one of the players was injured That's a fair point. in the, in the warm up, you know, so it could have been that the, 
the youngsters were either not there or had done a full training load the day before or anything like that. That's the only thing I would say. Otherwise, I'm, I'm fully in agreement. Everton actually had a third choice keeper on the bench, Andy Lonergan, today as well. Hi. Not a club we should be taking well, lessons from. Definitely not, but just to just to highlight, that was a, an injury during the war, I think, Michael Keane. So it could have been that. That's the only thing. Very good. Uh, Carl, anything you wanted to say just on Forrest uh, in terms of, you know, what you reckon to what Cooper's doing with them there? Like I, like I said to you, uh, and, and, and Dave ended up taking it um, on, I, I'm... I don't want to be too critical, but I, again, I, I just I, I failed to see anything too obvious there and what they were trying to do creatively. And I do take the point that if they're used to playing with Awani up there or with, with um, oh, what's his name, Chris Wood up there, uh, that that completely changes then what you are going to do. And if you're used to having a target man to play off of, that does completely change things up. And maybe that's what we were seeing today. Uh, do you think it's as simple as that? Um, a little bit, yeah, but I mean, also I think we have to factor in what we spoke about during uh, Scout at the head of the match that, what is it now, five of their first six away games have been against top five teams from last year or top six, five of the top six teams from last year. So it is very much a case of away days at the minute are just a bonus if they get anything. And I think it was probably just an approach of trying to keep it as tight as long as possible. And then if they're still in the game later on, we did see, you know, second half when we stood off a little bit, had we not taken our chances, they did have an outlet. They did have players who could get forward and be a bit more of a threat further forwards. It's, I think that, you know, a month from now, away from home, we probably see a bit of a different Nottingham Forest than we've seen so far, to be fair. Let's get into the match, you and I, and look at this first part of the first half. We'll take it, I suppose, maybe the first half hour or so, because there are bits and pieces here, but I don't know if there's any massive incident as such. Uh, the first chance that I was aware of was three minutes in, a beautiful ball through by Mo to Darwin who can't quite make contact, but it's a nice kind of lofted ball uh, down this side of the box by by uh, Mo and Darwin's coming in at that right-hand post, but he just can't quite contact it. Uh, there's almost a repeat of the same sort of exchange uh, on four minutes, uh, which leads to a dangerous enough cross in by Darwin. I think that goes for a corner. On eight minutes, Shot has a header at goal from a Trent corner. Uh, there's a nice dribble into the box by Dom on 10 minutes. He squares it to nobody who's uh, uh, has, has gambled on the run. Uh, McAllister with a run and a drive from distance on 15 minutes. He kind of pulls it across the face of goal. There's a yellow car for Trent sliding in uh, quite late on 19 minutes. Um, I only saw one replay again on the dodgy stream that I was watching and um, apparently he caught the standing leg of the player. It did look like that with the way the guy jumped up, but I did not see any definitive proof that he had actually made contact. In fact, the replay I saw, it looked as if the guy had uh, jumped and there wasn't any contact at all. So I'll leave you to refer to that if you don't mind when we get to it. Uh, Darwin was cleaned out of it on 20 minutes, uh, which led to a, a corner uh, instead of a penalty. And again, you know, I've seen softer penalties being left, uh, being given, to be fair, uh, in the past. Uh, but, you know, 
uh, it was it was unlikely we were ever going to get that one. Trent has a powerful strike on uh, about the twenty first or second minute. Sangare bows down to head it away, and he goes to the deck immediately. He's kind of groggy and takes ages to walk off the field to get off the field. Play is stopped for a good while, and of course he's back on immediately once he can. I think they have to wait thirty seconds. Decent ball in by Dominic on 24 minutes uh, corner uh, from a Niakate clearance. Uh, good ball by uh, into Mo Salah by McAllister, who nearly got Gravenberg in on 27 minutes. And again, another chance. Mo played in Darwin on the near post. His shot was saved, led to a corner and another chance where Darwin's header was just over. And that's all leading up to the opening goal, which happens on the half-hour mark. Mo Salah plays in Darwin Nunes. Great dig uh, by Darwin across the face of goal. Is parried away by the keeper and falls nicely for Jota, who finishes very, very clinically. Uh, It's, I think pretty well deserved and just to tie in with the topic we were talking about earlier on nice touch by uh Jota who holds up the Luis Diaz jersey for everyone to see and react to as a kind of a show of solidarity so uh everything described by me there seems to have been Liverpool related and Liverpool attempt related if not absolute dominance Carl you'd have to say it was basically our ball and it was a matter of when it seemed to seemed to be at least a matter of when we would do something solid enough to create a goal when it came nicely taken by Jada. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. I think up to that point we'd had 80% possession. So yes, our ball definitely, but pretty much dominance, like you say. Um, I think the pleasing aspect up until the goal, let's say, was that we were willing to have a go from different areas of the pitch with different air with different people attacking different areas as well not just the same uh, runners or the same delivery or anything like that it was fairly varied even if we weren't completely on it with the final pass um but the two people you referred to there were exactly the right two i think that were making most of the running making most of the life difficult for the forest back line because you know we were effectively facing a five a four and then a one, and then nobody up front. You know, the one Elanga was was nominally their centre forward, but wasn't in any point really in attack. So it was almost a five-five for them. And I think we did quite well to keep the movement going, the pace of the passing going, uh, to keep opening up the spaces. You know, we'd had like seven shots by the time we scored our first goal, and it's not that far into the match. And since uh, a bit of a bugbear previously has been that we start matches slowly, I think that. You know, the, the speed that we did start this game at and how effective we were in the final third at creating chances does bear note, to be honest. Um, Darwin and Soboslai, just non-stop movement, just really, really good, powerful first touch. Um, probably in that first 20 minutes or so, I'd say Gravenberg is similar, but mostly I'd say Nunez and, and Soboslai. It was just that ability to turn away from danger, the ability to drift into spaces where it was going to be very, very difficult for Forrest to keep their shape you either let them have space and shoot or you have to break out of shape and go and close one of them down. And ultimately, that is what got us the opener. And again, I think it was pretty well deserved that Darwin was as involved as he was, not just the shot which was saved, but also the the, the efforts on goal which came just beforehand that you mentioned. And just a word for those two guys who you've highlighted there as well, Darwin and uh, and um, it, to be fair, uh, the commentator on 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 my stream i don't know who he was uh he did make two 
what I thought really good points. First of which was uh, around about this point in the game. He just said that Sabozlai was the kind of fella. He actually makes you think there might be two of them, such as the energy uh, that the lad puts into the game. He seems to be everywhere all over the park, linking things up. And even when he's not necessarily uh, making every pass, just the sheer intent and will and drive, uh, Carl, is quite remarkable to watch. And now that we've got Darwin in this uh, vein of form where he seems to be becoming what we all hoped he would be, which is thoroughly involved number nine uh, with uh, product at the end of it in terms of assists and carnage, the chaos, but also allied to something new that we have always wanted to see, which is a sort of level-handedness, a calmness in certain uh, high-pressure situations. Those two guys are transformative for this team, aren't they, Carl? Hello. I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Absolutely, 100%. And look, it's not just the quality, the technical quality that they have. It is, I think, two other things. One, the energy, which I cannot overemphasize enough how important that change in Liverpool's team is this year. The energy that we did not have last year to the energy, the movement, the athleticism that we do have this season. It's just... It is like watching two completely different teams. And those two are really, really big, important parts of it. Um, but the other side is the just the intelligence, I think. Like Darwin is obviously not as refined a player from a technical perspective as Soberslai, as Gramberg, as Salah, whoever. But he does absolutely have a very similar level of uh, intelligence in terms of where the ball where he wants to put the ball with his first touch on the half turn, where to stop and pick up spaces. We've seen this season, I think, a, a real upturn in his off-the-ball work as well from a defensive standpoint. And, you know, was like, I don't know that there's been a midfielder who has come into the Premier League and made that kind of an impact off the ball defensively for an attacking player for for a long, long time, to be honest. It's 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 a really, really impressive blend that he brings to the team. He's always sprinting back for recovery challenges and whatever. So it's a fantastic pair of additions. Obviously, only one of them is the brand new one, but the change in the team, having both of them perform as they are at the minute too. You know, if you look at last season, let's say having let's say Jota towards the end of the season when he was coming back from his calf injury and he was obviously not as mobile as he needed to be and any of the midfielders who were playing that right-sided place last year, it's just a completely different ability to link play, uh, two different types of threats, just non-stop better, basically. 
Yeah, agreed completely. And Dave, we're going to end up talking about Darwin and Dom again because they're very much involved as the half finishes out. But just a little note here. I, I would not like to be getting tackled by Mangala. I'll tell you that for nothing. He mm. clatters into shot on 32 minutes. Absolutely mangles him, uh, much like as if he's trying to live up to his name. And then later on, I think early in the second half, he does the same to McAllister. And really, like, absolutely batters. He's like a moving that. concrete block. Oh, I'm, who he's was with, the last? 5'9 tall, 5'9 wide. Who's the lad that used to call the 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 the, the wardrobe? Who was that? Abba Booba Diop, Abba Booba Diop a legend. Right. Yeah, yes. This like this guy's version not, of him. He's not so much a wardrobe as like two sideboards <laughs> stuck together. Drawers. Yeah, yeah, it's tremendous. He's a he's a, he's a serious unit, and those two boys really felt uh, his interventions, shall we say. Mm. And just to see out the like the details of the first half. Obviously, on thirty-five minutes, we have a lovely goal, which I only managed to see in retrospect. But there are several incidents. Uh, uh, Gravenberg and Dom have success, shots saved in, in quick succession at the 39-minute mark. Leads to a corner from which we get nothing. Darwin takes on a beautiful overhead sort of scissors-kicky thing from distance on 42. Uh, Ibu Kanate with a decent bit of defending. Uh, a clearance on 43 puts the ball out for a corner. And yeah, Mangala with his second intervention then on McAllister on 48 minutes. And then there was a free kick, which uh, Trent eventually hits off the wall, uh, leads to a corner from which nothing accrues. But that goal on the 35-minute mark, the two lads are involved again. It is Darwin Nunes who scores. Uh, it seems to be an exchange of passes between Dominic and Mo, uh, and Dominic's centre is pretty much on a plate for Darwin, who's about a yard out and just basically taps at home. Uh, the kind of goal that speaks to the movement and threat and new threat that Carl was talking about here that those two guys give us. Yeah, I I, I believe you had the Optus One uh, stream from Australia the same as me. I believe the lead commentator is Steve Bauer. Oh, okay. Um, who who did his best, I thought, in the first half to, uh, to try and diminish Do- uh, Darwin a little bit. Said he can be very hit and miss. Um, which just isn't true. Then uh, the co-commentator obviously was the appalling Stephen Warnock. Oh, he's so Who bad. said, and I quote, Nunes didn't know anything about it. And then he said, you just see him put his foot out and redirect the ball into the box. Oh, so he did know everything about it because he put his foot out and redirected it into the net. Uh, you twat. Um, Steve Barrow, just it, assuming it is him, he is ex-MUFC TV um so ah. you know, that that might might be cause for why he's a little bit uh, not the most joyous about Liverpool. The second goal is is just brilliantly worked. Like it's brilliantly worked and it's so good from Mo. It's the same type of pass he obviously makes for the first goal, but the the timing and weight of it is just excellent. The way he puts his foot on the ball which kind of freezes the defense and then plays the pass straight away after Dominic has knocked it to him. Dominic picks it up again and it's just really well done. Just fires it across and, and knows that Darwin will will convert. So yeah, really good goal, really well worked, and, and we were really starting to fly at that point. And you know, it, you don't want to jinx them or, or, or propel them to levels they're not quite ready for yet. But when there was just moments, particularly in the second half, 
where Dominic and Darwin had little link-ups where, like, Darwin would lay it off and go again and Dominic would move on to it and push it back into the space from to run on to. It, it's a little bit Gerard Torres. And it's very, very exciting to think that we could have these two lads for years and years to come because they're both, what's Darwin, 24 and Dominic's 22, 23. They're, they're really young. Like, they're nowhere near what they're going to be. And you mentioned the commentator talking about how you thought for a time there was two Zobozlis out there. Like, stoppage time, end of the game, and he's making a 40-yard sprint out to the touch touchline to ensure that Nico Williams can't just pick the ball up and run, to, to press him, to pressure him. Like, the, the kid is unbelievable. Like, there's just, there's no flaws in this game at all. And I know a lot of people are watching what Jude Bellingham is doing for Real Madrid right now, and they're cursing and swearing and crying that, oh, if we had owners that were more ambitious and yada, yada. Firstly, Jude might well have picked Real anyway. Secondly, Jude is playing as a second striker or almost as a striker at times. He's basically Deli Ali in that team. Dominic is an all-round midfield presence who does everything and does it all well. But there's going to have to be a conversation at some point between him, the manager, Mo, and Trent, where basically, lads, when there's a free kick, this fella's taking them and news can go away. Because yeah. he is like he is on a different level entirely as a free kick taker to either of them. He's a great corner kick taker as well. And he's made a huge difference, like Carl said, like with the garbage that we've watched on the right side of midfield for years, to, to have this lad doing everything at such a high level on and off the ball, improving us going forward, improving us defensively. Like there was times in that game in, in, in the second half where Trent had stepped into midfield and moved a bit further forward. We get turned over and it's Dominic that's sprinting back to slot in at right back. And then he sticks it right back. He's not just like, right, I've done that. Now I'm getting out of here. He stays in and helps with the build out and then just gradually works his way back into into his midfield position. Like that level of intelligence, that type of selflessness, that's what this team has been missing. And he's he's an absolute joy to watch. You spoke about free kicks. I just want to bring it up now because I, I didn't know it then, but I, I don't trust myself to, to, to mention it when it's relevant later. When we get a free kick on the other side, Either, you know, in other words, a free kick that's mostly uh, lined up for a left footer to hit. Theoretically, you can also get right footers hitting them and and, and uh, doing so with great uh, aplomb and effect, as we've seen with Trent in the past. But it's usually Mo who's lined up for those things. Uh, I think I'm right, Dave, in saying, and between yourself and Carl, I'm sure you'll know. Have we ever seen a free kick? scored by Mo Salah and if so you know doesn't have a, a bang of the Ronaldo's off at this stage just like give it up as a bad job uh, I mean it's not like he needs he needs them for his goal tally at the end of the year he's got so many other uh, tricks in his locker and ways to score a goal I could be wrong here but it just always stri- strikes me as if well nothing's really going to happen here because he's just going to try the Mo shot uh, which he always tries when he cuts in and it just doesn't seem to be a much you a weapon for us uh, I wonder would there be an argument for getting someone else on them on that side even if it is a right footer there is absolutely an argument to get someone else on them um, to my knowledge and I could be wrong and I stand open to correction this in his entire career 
for club and country, Mo has scored one free kick ever, and it was for Egypt. That makes sense. So, yeah, get him off the free kicks. Like, I understand that it's Mo, so if he says he wants to take one, he's kind of earned the right. If he decides to turn around and boot it out for a throw-in, he's kind of earned the right to do that. Yeah. But yeah, Mo, if if this somehow makes its way to your ears, we adore you. You are not a good free kick taker. You're great at many, many things. Free kicks isn't one of them. And, you know, it's funny because that traditionally is the is the left side or spot, left foot or side. But the best free kick taker I've seen from that specific area was Luis Suarez. When he bend it round the wall, like he bend it like hip height around the wall and in off the base of the post. He did that twice or three times for us. He did it for Barca, he did it for Ajax, he did it for Uruguay. I I, I actually think a right footer there, because even, even Warnock, he said, if you're trying to get it up and over the wall, it's easier for a right footer from there because they're going to the far corner. Yeah, so the ball has see, further to travel. And we, we've, we've seen Trent do that. Like that we've exact seen Trent shot. do it, we saw yeah. Beckham do it, yeah. K, uh, KDB has done it, like... It does make a bit more sense. Like if 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 Mo was Sinisa Mihailovic, then you'd be like, okay, well the lefty takes this because you know it's Sinisa Mihailovic, but he's not. He's not a good free kick taker. So uh, I would very much be in favour of Mo not taking free kicks. However, if he insists uh, and agrees to sign a new contract and stay for the rest of his career, he can take every fucking free kick we ever get. <laughs> Simple as that. Yeah. For, for sure. That's that's a deal I think everyone would do. Uh, Carl, again, again, this is not match related, but just in relation to something that uh, the uh, commentator, I think uh, Dave suggested his name is Steve Bauer and he might be from the Mank Network uh, originally. If that is the case, it's interesting. He went on and everyone's uh, tinfoil hat was, was, was uh, gleaming uh, at this point. But halfway through the second half, he spoke about Trent's new role stepping into midfield and, uh, you know, his effectiveness there and so on and so forth. And he propagated this tale, which I I had not heard before. Obviously, most people have said that it seems to be very much a Linder's joint, this, uh, uh, you know, three box three thing, uh, with Trent doing the Trent thing. And uh, even if Trent's not on the, in, on the pitch, we have to have Joe Gomez doing it because somebody has to do it, uh, apparently. Uh, so this, you know, we've all suspected perhaps that it was it was uh, a Linder's uh, invention or or. or notion uh but he this guy bauer says that there was a discussion between uh linders and jürgen in which linders said that he could he would uh give a year's salary if it didn't work now i have to say this is a whole new thing to me i have linders has said that in an interview he has oh he has yeah well you know how pepin loves an interview he does love an manager in history has ever given more interviews than pepin uh, he, he has said that in an interview that it was ah. he, he made sure everybody knew it was his idea. OK, OK. Because he so, wants everybody uh, to know that it's his idea. That was news to me. I had not heard that little that little extra uh, uh, part of it, because, as you say, it, it very much 
then completely identifies him as the uh, culprit stroke genius, depending on which way you want to interpret it. That's interesting. Okay, Carl, yourself and myself will take it up as far as uh, uh, the goal, I think, because the second half is a quieter affair um, in terms of it just a flatter sort of a game uh we begin off with a sort of rico shot uh by mo salah in terms of the first attempt worth a damn at least first one i saw i missed the first few minutes of the half because of my stream situation good play by darwin nunez and um the defender sort of hits the ball off mo who directs it directly at goal and that's an attempt on 53 minutes we see McAllister pick up a yellow on 57 and we make some changes on 57 cody and harvey coming on for jata and gravenberg uh 59 minutes a lovely flowing move ended with uh, dominic ball into harvey elliott whose shot was saved and you'd like to see him possibly do better uh, but i guess the keeper had his angles pretty well uh, covered it led to a corner from which again we got nothing on 64 minutes they did have an opportunity gibbs white got in on the right hand side the simple ball over the top found him his center is going straight to dominguez who should put it away or at least give ali big headaches but as dave said earlier on he just sort of falls over his own feet um and kind of comically goes down in a heap instead of making contact with the ball. I'm not quite sure what he does. Does he kick his foot or something? I've been in that situation myself. I'm sure we all have. Uh, and it just went badly for him. A nice move uh, by us led to the keeper coming out, Turner coming out at Mo Salah's feet in 67 minutes. And they bring on a Wanyi, Yates and uh, Toffolo on 68 minutes. Uh, I think it's Dominguez, Boley and Aina who go off. And then on 76, it is that man, Dom, involved again. We, they, they, The commentary team were making a big fuss about how Nottingham Forest had a, a throw-in. I mean, that's the level of threat that they posed. And so from this long throw... Uh, we recover the ball comes to Dominic he hits a beautiful cross field left footed ball into the path of Mo Salah it's a long range uh, uh, pass and you know Dave said earlier on you can't call call it a goalkeeping error but it's just an error by a goalkeeper who comes out uh, and between the goalkeeper and uh, who else is it that's there um I, I can't think of which defender. I think it's Toffolo. Uh, they basically make a balls with the ball. The ball makes its way to Mo, who very calmly takes it and destroys and finishes to put us 3-0 and kill the game stone dead. Um, I mean, it, it's, it seems tough to refer to that as a as, as an error because it's it, it involves a beautifully struck cross-field pass with the left foot and a lovely finish, but it is very much uh, a balls-up by them. What did you make of that first, whatever, 20, 25 minutes of the second half? Uh, and is there anything around that goal that you wanted to pick out? Actually, I'm going to throw this all the way back to the start of the conversation when you were talking about the Linda's Klopp conversation salary fandango. Yes. My my standout piece from that whole segment on the TV was, he pronounced it Pepine Linders. Pepine, yes, yes. What was that? That's odd, yes. Pepine I thought that was weird. Linders, never heard yeah. that one. He's obviously just never heard the name said before. I think he's just looking at, yeah, yeah. As long as it's uh, Steve Bauer and not Jack Bauer, I'm, I'm comfortable with <laughs> Um, second half was a bit of a non-event to be perfectly honest for quite large stretches which I think ties back into what we were talking about in terms of playing within ourselves 
controlling the game but not overexerting things. Um, you can say it's you know sensible. I think it was a fairly decent start to the half by us. But then you know if it didn't happen straight away, that's fine. We we don't have the onus on us to go all out. We don't have to create spaces for them to counter attack through. We can just wait for them to decide that they actually need to make some sort of reaction. So it wasn't thrilling to watch, but I was okay with it from, you know, a, a, this is only a quarter of the season gone perspective. Uh, I think that's perfectly fine. It was unless Forrest came out and did something or we did incredibly stupid things. It was game over at halftime, basically, because, you know, they don't score oodles. They certainly don't score loads of goals away from home. Um, again, what we made the point in before the match and scouted was that despite not scoring too many, they didn't concede loads either. Was it only Man City, Dave, you said, had beaten them by two goals um, this season prior to this match? So it's not like they're an easy team to just roll over and beat. And we had done, therefore, quite a lot of the hard work before the break. It was then up to them to to change the flow of the match. And since they didn't really do that enough, I was all right with the way that we approached the second half for the most part. Um, the goal, I mean, as you say, is a, a total mix-up. I think I'd probably put it slightly more on Tofolo for leaving the ball. But then what's Matt Turner doing there if he's not taking everything? You know, he should just, if he's gone that far, he has to clear out whatever he needs to. Uh, it's just a horrendous decision from both and then bad communication and you know nice to see Mo rolling one in on the right foot and keeping that Anfield run going I don't need a VPN I've got nothing to hide (laughs) this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with libertyshield.com not only is my home internet now fully encrypted but I can now access all the websites I want whenever I want and do so from absolutely anywhere As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, Mac boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. A hundred percent. And just because of the way this game has sort of panned out and the type of game it is, the comparative lack of incident, it looks like by the time I come back to you, it'll be for your wrap up thoughts because myself and Dave are going to see out the rest of the game now, Uh, such as it was, Dave. I mean, you know, there's not a huge amount after the goal that happens either, if we're being perfectly honest. We do bring on Endo. There's a, an attempt by Cody Gakpo in 81 minutes. Uh, Nico Williams uh, added to the X-Red presence on the park uh, with Andre Santos on 82 minutes. There was a bit of a flap um, as a Nico Williams free dropped in our box. It was a sort of, not quite comedy capers, but it was a, 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 a struggling to clear our lines, I think would be the nicest way of saying it. Uh, Elanga hits the bar with a volley in 85 minutes, a deep back post cross. 
picks him out. And it's a good hit by the kid. Uh, and I've just made note here. Basically, oh, they they now they now they want to play at three 0 down. Now they want to play. They had another. There was another uh, back post volley by Alanga over the top on eighty seven minutes. We bring on Joe Gomez for Trent on eighty eight. Uh, Ali has to come out and smother uh, or or come out defeat basically on eighty nine, which leads to a corner. They get nothing from it. Sangari picks up a yellow. They add four minutes, which is merciful. I think nobody really wanted any more than that. And we did have the ball in the net on, on ninety. Three uh, through Cody Gakpo, great ball in by Harvey Elliott, but it is offside, and Cody probably could have held his run and uh, still scored. Um, and indeed, Forest do have a shot on target right to death, which again my stream crapped out just before the end of the game, so I didn't get to see that or uh, know anything about it. So in terms of uh, the the remainder after the goal, like I say. We tried to do a few bits. You mentioned that the the interplay between some of the lads when they came onto the park was nice to see. Uh, and it just did have that feel to it that we were trying to see the game out, especially when Forrest had their little uh, purple patches, a bit of a stretch. But they did have uh, an inkling and desire, it looked like, to actually attack us for the first time in the game when they went 3-0 down. Yeah, it felt like that kind of... At that point, they had nothing to really lose, so they did just sort of. Um, and we, obviously, when we got the third goal, we very much took our foot off the gas as well. So it kind of allowed them into the game more so than them really forcing the issue or doing anything overly spectacular. But like, they gave it a decent show. They gave it. They came and they sat in. They tried to be defensive. It didn't work for them. And in the end, they just sort of threw a few haymakers at us, didn't land anything, and they go home with their pride still intact, which I suppose is all they can really ask, because it could easily have been a hiding. Like, it could easily have been that we battered them today, because like I said earlier, there were moments where we really did threaten to to lift the levels to, to a place where they just couldn't compete with us, and you saw flashes of it. But all things considered, like we, we won the game and could have won it you know, a, a lot more. We controlled it really well, and the commentators did make that point. One of the big differences between us this season from last season is we, we are, and it's only in recent weeks as well, we're learning how to manage games quite well, which we used to do years, like a few years ago. But this group of players now is learning how to manage games, and that's a really positive sign. Yeah, and as we say, and as we're speaking, and as we're talking about the last incidents in our game, uh, just for the record, City are 2-0 up against United, uh, 77 or 78 minutes played. So it looks like, Dave, everyone ahead of us is going to go ahead and win this weekend as well, which basically means status quo. But, I mean, you'll take that in terms of... That was probably always likely to happen. And also, at least we are winning our games and keeping ourselves in there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we should just take a moment and pause and admire the fact that Eric Ten Hag has spent £410 million ish since taking over as Manchester United manager. And today they're starting a game with Harry Maguire, who he spent all summer trying to force out the door, and Johnny Evans, who signed on a short-term contract which was meant to be a couple of weeks just for training purposes and not anything else and here he is starting in a Manchester derby and also 
because Eric Ten Hag is a real student of the game and he's, you know, well in tune with Manchester United heritage, he has taken his rip-off Ole Gunnar Solskjaer impression and he's managed to turn it into a hybrid of Ollie Ball and David Moyes Ball by using Scott McTominay as a Marouane Fellaini-esque number 10. And it's magnificent stuff, really. And McTominay has been their best player over the last few weeks. He was garbage today and he's been taken off. But he's been their best player over the last few weeks, uh, which tells you everything you need to know about how things are going for Manchester United. Yeah, the Fellaini years. <laughs> that was, uh, that was, that was, uh, that's, uh, you just warmed, warmed the cockles of my heart there uh, with that particular image and memory. Uh, I'll be back to you for your wrap-up thoughts, cool. about it, Dave. And uh, Carl, let's you and I uh, get yours now and uh, finish off with a little bit of a reminder to folks about what you've got coming up during the week in terms of writing and podcasts. So just any sum-up uh, ideas uh, on the match overall? Yeah, I take it back to what you said at the start of the pod where you said it was a bit of a, did you say a boring game, a low key game? Something yeah, boring. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's both right and perfectly good. You know, we're in the middle of a run of fixtures, which are not, you know, going to have us the main Sunday, super Sunday, whatever it is, uh, a clock kickoff every single week. But they are a run of games which are going to define whether we are heading into the winter in amongst things or not. You know, it's. Everton to lose, Forest, Bournemouth, Luton to lose, Brentford. You know, that's not a thrilling run of games, but therefore we should be winning every single one of them. And ideally, probably, maybe apart from one match, which is a big result or something like that, you don't really want to have to remember any of them later on. You know, if we win a 7 or 8 nil, then fine, cool, we'll remember that. But other than that, we don't need to. We can just win all of these games and get them out of the way and roll on and still be in the cups and still be rotating and resting players and hopefully not too many injuries and so on and so forth. So the manner of this game, absolutely fine with it. The people who played well and and had a decent impact, all very, very good. Uh, Dominic, I think, got his first two league assists for us today. Probably should have been a third one with Harvey Elliott's chance as well. Um, I think Darwin had five shots today, which was more than Forrest managed for most of the game up until those final few minutes. So, you know, n- nothing outrageous today to mark or, or remember or anything like that, but overall just very, very good. Um, probably the only person who we haven't mentioned too much who I would say was a positive was maybe Simicas. Not not an outstanding performance by any means, but I don't really think he did anything wrong. He got the full 90 in, he was still running, he was still overlapping and so on. So, while we're looking for him to still improve, I think this was a step for him and a game where he could, you know, work his way into towards his top form as well. That's a very good point, actually, about Simicus. And I think you're right. I think that was always going to be the case, was that it was going to take him a number of games to get into some sort of rhythm. That's only fair, to be to be honest, that the kid would have that time to adjust and to find his feet and find his spot and find his groove. And hopefully, like you say, that is where he's on his way to. In terms of uh, match it output for the week, what can people expect from you? A midweek piece on something Liverpool. I don't know what yet. There's a Virgil van Dijk piece, which is very still relevant for basically this entire run of games that I've just listed there as well. Uh, both of those on the indie. I will probably do something Bellingham or La Liga related as well, heading towards sort of Tuesday or so. 
tremendous and of course keep your ears uh, peeled for podcasts with Mr. Matchett as well and Dave your wrap up thoughts uh, and plugs as well um, yeah I think Carl Carl hit the nail on the head there with Costas I think he was better today I thought Ibu was a lot better today as well than he was last weekend yeah uh, Virgil looks in imperious form at the moment and there was a couple of really despite the fact he didn't have a whole lot of defensive work to do there was a couple of moments where he managed to keep pace with Alanga and and did it very, very comfortably, like wasn't even sprinting at full pelt that were really positive because Alanga is rapid. And one of the concerns about Verge a little bit last season was that kind of first step. He was getting beaten a little bit in, in some of those kind of longer range sprints. We remember we played we played Fulham. Uh, no, we played Brentford, and Mbomo torched him down the sideline, and he ended up having to go off because he hurt himself. Um, so seeing him very, very comfortably keep pace with Alanga was a good thing. Uh, aside from that, I thought like, we, we've talked about Dominic, we've talked about um, Alexis, I thought was excellent today as well, just very quietly went about his work, won his challenges, kept the ball, Kept everything moving. I thought Trent had a better game today. Still not not at his best, but showing signs of getting there. And look, Mo gets a goal. He doesn't get an assist on either of the other two, but he is absolutely key in both of the first two goals. And that's the kind of impact he makes for us where he just makes things happen over and over and over again. Um, aside from that, yeah, I mean, just all very positive. And, you know, Carl mentioned... We're in a run of games that likely won't be on TV. Good. Give me all them. Give me loads of games against crap teams so that we can ramp up points. And nobody is watching us. So others don't really realise how good this team is right now. So it's going to be a big surprise for the Arsenal fans and the City fans when they come up against us and they've watched us maybe three times in the last 10 games. And they don't quite realise that, well, Liverpool are actually right on their heels. I think we're in a really strong position. This is year one of Klopp 2.0. Like this is not the final, the final version of this. There's probably two starters that need to come into this team that we don't own yet to to complete the picture. It's all very very positive. Uh, as for me, during the week there'll be two footed Tuesday through Friday. Monday is a bank holiday here, so I am not allowed work. Uh, There'll be daily red on those days as well, Tuesday through Friday. There'll be a scouted, and yeah, I'll probably get myself banned off Twitter in the next little while. I have a feeling it might go that way, but uh, such is life, you know. If you if you don't stand up for what you believe in, then you're complicit with what you don't believe in. So there you go. Yeah, there's a discussion to be had very much around uh, the club at the moment and uh, people's reactions to various incidents in the ground. And I think it's worthy of a show. And I'd be very, very interested in actually having that conversation. If anyone um, wants to uh, get back to me who's listened to this. Um, can I can I suggest I think Justin Wells would be important to have on that conversation on that that podcast 100 um, as, as a member of the jewish community i think yeah. it would be important to have his views a, a, a jew who's not a zionist i think he's uh he's a well placed to talk on a lot of these issues kind of in a over and back dialogue with justin on and off uh 
in the last while anyway so if he was interested that would be great i just think it's a chat that needs to be had mm. even more not necessarily about the like we're not like we're not going to fucking solve the middle east crisis on a podcast but there are club related things that uh do yeah and, and see justin is also part of the the supporters committee so yeah again, i think i think so maybe Harinder as well might Harinder be, be another great one to have no, on yeah um, so you can get the two boys on i think that that would absolutely be important i think I'm I'm really disappointed in the club. I'm really disappointed. I get that they've been given mandates, but what like what are you scared of? A, a small fine? Yeah, they're UEFA mandates. Who gives a shit about UEFA anyway? Like this is what it 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 yeah. Look, it, it, the conversation needs to be had. We'll have it. Uh, I agree with you. That's pretty much where I'm coming from as well uh, is from a place of, of, of just heads scratching and shaking uh, I will but, say one thing and it, it's getting some abuse on Twitter today but they're at least being fair in policing this policy of zero flags of nationalities because they took someone's Waturo Endo flag off yeah, often yeah. today now, and now look they shouldn't be taking that flag off that person put a lot of work into making that flag he has a standing agreement with the stewards that he's allowed to bring his flags in and have them, and he has a whole array of them. But it, it is the Japanese flag as part of it. So at least it's it's not just, well, you can have that, but you can't have that. They're, they're going zero tolerance and the whole lot. However, my belief is they shouldn't be going zero tolerance. And when people say, oh, well, you know, what if someone wanted to come in and fly an Israeli flag? Fair enough. Sound. Let them Fair do enough. it. They want to fly an Israeli flag. Absolutely. That's absolutely. The, that's, that's they the whole want point. to justify their stance. That's fine. Yeah. That's no the whole problem. Point. Yeah, look, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We, maybe we'll tease this one out, like I said, in the podcast, if anyone's interested in doing it. Uh, I just want to say that in the week we have all these games the two lads have mentioned are coming up thick and fast. I mean, there's literally a couple of days between all of them. And the next one up is Bournemouth, and it is going to be Guy with Dave and Jim Boardman for that Raw. Then the following uh, game is Luton. That's going to be myself, Dave, and Jim. Uh, then Toulouse is myself, Dave, and Carl. And the Brentford game is the last one in this little run before the fortnight uh, ahead of City and that Brentford Raw will be myself and Dave and Harry hopefully if Harry's able to do it then at that point um, and thoughts going to Harry at the moment as well with some difficult stuff that he's having to put up with and deal with uh, we will wrap it up there um, and thanks to Dave and to Carl and to producer Guy Drinkle in the background for keeping us in the loop uh, apologies for my nasal tones and hopefully we'll all be feeling a bit better because the Reds keep on a good win that's been us that's Raw we'll talk to you soon we hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.